Hey fellow romance readers, I'm Amy. And I'm Sarah, and this is Post Book Depression. You know that feeling you get when you finish a good book that you didn't want to end? Have you finished a book and just weren't ready to move on from the story and its beloved characters? You find yourself needing just a little more? Well, this multi-trope romance podcast gives you the opportunity to dig deeper with us into books we love as we discuss all the reasons we can't move on. Feeling chatty? You can continue the conversation with us on Instagram at Post Book Depression Podcast or on Facebook in our Post Book Depression discussion group. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast and take a brief moment to leave a review. Are you ready? Let's discuss. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. It's our first episode and we're so excited to be here, aren't we, Sarah? We are so excited. I can't wait to talk about this book. So today we are going to discuss What Lovers Do by Jewel E. Ann. And the first few minutes we're going to do a brief review of the story without any spoilers and then we will shift into a deeper book discussion and that will be very spoilery. (laughs) But we will let you know in advance so that you can skip out if you have not read the book yet. What Lovers Do is a romantic company with Shep. He's this guy that works in a local pet shop. Hello, dog lovers. I am myself one. And Sophie, an optometrist with this mysterious secret that she's trying to keep. Now, there's this really cute coffee spilled meat cute. Who doesn't love a good meat cute? Which starts this unconventional friendship. And as things progress in their friendship, The strain of trying to keep things from getting too personal does start to take its toll. This book has a lot of comedic relief, really cute dogs, golf, and great banter. Sarah, what did you think of this book? I loved this book so much, which it's Julie Ann, so you cannot go wrong. She is brilliant. She is so funny. She is one of my favorite authors when I want the romance, I want the humor, I want a little bit of angst. And she is my go-to. She can do no wrong. She's brilliant. And this story is just another hit out of the park. I also love Julie. And if you guys have not read her Jack and Jill trilogy, there's a little plug for that because it is my favorite of all of her stories. I love this story so much. So I love angsty books, but I also really love books that make me laugh. And this story was so full of laughing moments. And there was some great banter. I love me some banter. I love a good hero and heroine having some phenomenal banter. And this story did not disappoint. I loved that the main characters were competitive. I am also very competitive. So I found that to be very relatable for me. And I also, I really liked that the hero and the heroine had a best friend that they could confide in throughout the story and kind of have their perspective on things. I found myself with this huge, big dorky grin on my face, literally reading this entire book. It was such a delight. I loved it. Same. I felt the exact same, which going into it, I knew Julianne, she always kind of does that with a lot of her books. You could tell right out the gate, like chapter one, you're like, oh, I'm I'm going to laugh a lot. (laughs) This is the best. Yeah. There were just so many comedic moments and I just love the story so much. Let's do some rating scales on the angst level. Sarah, how would you rate this book? I would rank this or rate it like at a two. And that might be a little high. There's not a ton of angst to me. Like there's, there's some moments, but I wasn't nervous the whole time, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. And because of that, I gave it a one out of five. Okay. Because I compared to other books that are very angsty, I felt this was very low on the scale of angst. So I gave it one out of five. All right. Humor. Tell me how many laughing emojis you gave us. I, four. I gave it four because it kept me laughing. It wasn't like 
I was in stitches the entire time, so I can't give it a five, <laughs> but I did give it a four because it is just, it's just delicious. It's so funny. I love it. Yes. The banter that you refer to is just on another level. It's so cute and adorable, and I love it. I also gave it four out of five laughing emojis because I, there were a lot of, like I said, that comedic relief in there. There wasn't scenes that I was necessarily, like you said, in stitches, I wasn't laughing out loud, but I was definitely laughing on the inside. I was chuckling. I was giggling in some of the moments. So I gave it four out of five. All right. Spiciness. How would you rate the spiciness of this book? I feel like you're going to be like, that's a little high. (laughs) I rated a three because, not because there's so much of it, but because the moments that they have, I felt like they were they were good. I wasn't much under you. I gave it 2.75 okay. uh, fire emojis. I also agree. There's not a ton of scenes with the spice in it, but the spe- the scenes that are in there, they're spicy. They're spicy. <laughs> they make, yeah, they're spicy. <laughs> All right. What about tears? How oh, much did you cry? Tears. I didn't. I and did not, not. Tears of joy. <laughs> no. I, I think I laugh cried more than I cried sadness cried like over being distraught. I said a one because I did not cry, but I felt sad. Mm-hmm. Like there was moments and I was like, that's sad. So. Yeah, that's I agree. So there were a couple of scenes in there that I felt sad. I didn't mm-hmm. cry at all in this book. I gave it a 0.5. Crying emojis out of five because, you know, like you said, there wasn't scenes where I just cried, but there were moments where I empathized and felt sad for some of the characters in the book. All right. Overall, how would you rate this book? I said a 4.5. Okay. I know. I Okay. Listeners, you need to know that I am always going to rate these higher because I'm, I think I'm more generous in like the way I feel about certain, like, I'm like, oh yes, I definitely think it needs a higher rating. And then Amy's like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to go 0.5 under that. <laughs> I'm very stingy with my fives. You, Yes, you are. And I agree with you. But I gave it a 4.5 because it made me laugh. And if you make me cry or you make me laugh, it stays with me. And it's Joy Ann. Yeah, I know. You have to give it that. I gave it 4.25 out of five. Okay. So I wasn't much under you. Yeah. I save and reserve those fives you for do. ones that are very angsty and really make me feel all the feels. Most often, if I give it a five, I've bawled my eyes out like a baby. Oh, <laughs> yes. Me too. Me too. Where it just gets you and you're like, this is never going to leave me. It's ingrained in my DNA. It's there forever. Yeah. So Um, I'm very stingy with those fives, but I felt like this one was very, I loved the comedic side of the story. I felt like it was a great rom-com an overall, just really good story. Good feel. I also very much love Julie. And so 4.25 is what I gave it. That concludes the spoiler free quick review of this story. And now we're going to shift into the deeper discussion portion, which will include lots of spoilery conversation. If you haven't read this story, go check it out and come back and listen to our discussion. And then let us know your thoughts on the story on our Instagram post book depression podcast or on Facebook in our post-book depression discussion group. All right, so now we're going to dig deeper into what lovers do. Where should we start, Sarah? Oh, where do you want to start? Let's start with Sophie and her bad luck with men. Oh my goodness, this girl. (laughs) (laughs) Are there people really out there that have 
Such bad luck. Such bad luck with relationship. Almost, hers were on a level that it was almost ridiculous. Mm -hmm. You're like, really? Yeah, that part was unrelatable to me because Mm. I I just can't wrap my mind around being stuck in another failed relationship like that. I didn't relate to that because I have not been in a lot of failed relationships like she has. So that was a struggle for me. Well, especially the relationship that she has specifically with her current ex-boyfriend, Jimmy, who will not get out of her house. (laughs) I think, you know, yes, we've had failed relationships, but it's usually like, hey, we broke up. Let's go our own separate ways. And I'm sad about it or he's mad about it. But this guy was like, no, is it your time of the month? No, let's wait until after, you know? And then she's like, what? No, it's no, why would that even be a factor in us splitting up? I'm breaking up with you. Get out of my house. And he doesn't. So that was comedic to me. Just his inept ability to just comprehend that she's asking you to get out nicely. And then she just progresses. So, okay, let's talk about Jimmy the Squatter. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the informal. <laughs> that's not. The informal seller. I guess. I was like, that's not politically correct. <laughs> It's hurtful. Jimmy the squatter, have you ever had to deal with someone who just not necessarily wouldn't move out of your house, but when you ask them to do something and they just cannot get it through their school, what you're asking of them, and they just do the opposite? I want to say that I'm sure I have, but no, I don't think I have. Not to this level. It's Me neither. I gotta say, the entire time I read this, all I could think about was Eddie on Friends when he was Chandler's roommate (laughs) and he wouldn't leave. And so finally they just had to physically move all of his stuff out. That is the epitome of Jimmy the Squatter. Yes, it is. So for those, yes, it is. And because that's exactly what he was like. And just, I said to my husband, are there really people like this? And he was like, I'm sure there are. And I'm like, is it that hard to get somebody out of your house? And he's like, yeah, if they can prove that they're living there. And I'm like, no way. Yeah, that blew my mind too. Just the legalities of trying to get someone, you physically own the house. Your Mm -hmm. name is the only one on the mortgage. And you're telling me that this piece of scum who's living in my house has a right to stay here because he dug up my driveway against my wishes. Okay, let's talk about that scene. She is wanting this guy to get out of her house. Well, first of all, his mom has MS and she has to go to an ins- to assisted living and then he had to quit school and he needed to sell the house to pay for his mom. Admirable. He's taking care of his mother. This is all great. She She loves that he takes care of his mother and I do too. Mm-hmm. Um, wonderful qualities. But then he moves in with the intention of you're going to, oh, and he lost his job at some point. Yeah. And, well, not, he. I think he lost his job when he was living with her. And so it's like, you're going to find a house. Like this is temporary. Yes, we are dating, but this is temporary. And so then he just never leaves. He loses his job on the day she's going to break up with him. <laughs> oh, the and, irony. <laughs> and she was like, Okay, I'll, he'll get another job in a week or two, and then I'll do it. Because she's trying to be nice because she didn't want to, like... He's like, you're the only thing that makes this all better. And then he just... Everything after that. So she tells him, you gotta get out. And he finally is like... She comes home, and he's dug up her driveway. <laughs> what? Oh, my goodness, no. Because now he's made improvements to the uh-huh. home. He has equity in the house. He has equity. Isn't it just the worst when you have talked yourself up, you're all prepared 
to break off a friendship or deliver bad news or, <laughs> you know, encounter some kind of negative interaction with the person and you're all prepared to do that and the first words out of their mouth are, my cat died today yes. or I lost my job or, you know, something you're like, well, shoot, now I can't do what I had planned. And that's unfortunate because I had psyched myself up for that conversation. Yes. <laughs> it's like, it's just... It's I felt so, for her in that moment. I felt so bad for her. And then when she's so frustrated, she's like, are you well? <laughs> are you mentally well? <laughs> are you hearing yourself right now? Like... Well, it really escalated for me, the frustration for her when oh, his aunt was giving him a haircut and yes. she was in agreement with Jimmy. I'm like, what is happening? Is, the, is his aunt insane too? Because what is happening? Why is she siding with him? And I just really felt for Sophie in that moment. Oh my goodness. I felt so bad for her. Jimmy was just an unfortunate relationship. One of the the moments actually, though, speaking of Jimmy, where I did feel that tenderhearted moment was when his mom passed away. Oh my goodness. And she made him stay outside, but good for her. For... Well, she didn't know his mom had passed away. We better say, if you've read it, you know, but she didn't know. She had changed the locks when he was gone because she's like, yes, He's finally caught because he wouldn't leave the house because he knew she would change the locks. Yes. Which I kept thinking that the whole time. I was like, change the locks. And then I was like, oh, he never leaves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I did. I mean, that moment when he spends sad. the night out on the porch after his mom and he's just crying. And then she finally lets him, you know, her heart. She's, she's just that soft hearted person. She lets anybody. She just can't say no. We all have those people in our life. <laughs> they just are real assertive people or passive people, not assertive people. Yeah. And. And um, so then she lets him back in. That was one of the moments, the reason why I gave <laughs> the rating that I did of it being a little bit of tears. Like I didn't yeah. cry actual tears, but I really felt for, for both of them in that moment. I hated that he was having to go through that trauma and no place to live, even though the no place to live was his fault because he hadn't found a job Yeah, in a hot minute. Let's talk about Shep and Sophie. Oh, yes. Let's talk about Shep and Sophie because this is, the story is about them. Yes. Do you want to let to discuss the type of relationship they have? So you said they have a really cute meet cute. They do. They yes. spill the coffee, which I get is a it's a very cliche romance meet cute, but I really liked it. I I am an avid dog lover. I love dogs so much, and so this story, oh, it was. It was yeah. in my soft spot, you know, because I love animals. I love dogs. So I just loved all the interaction. So Sophie's um, dog coming into the store, I love that this is not her typical place that she stops in to get dog treats for her dog, which how do you pronounce her dog's name? Is it Circe? Circe. I haven't are... watched the show, so I didn't know. I meant to look that up. Ooh, yeah, I think Sorry, it's... all of you that's a fan of that show. I think it's Circe, Game of Thrones. We, neither of us have watched. Shocker. I know. But... <laughs> We have not, so I think it's Circe. Okay. Well, if we are pronouncing it incorrectly, all of you out there who are watchers of the show, I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and you can let us know yeah. on Instagram or Facebook. <laughs> yeah. The fact that she's going into this store for Circe, it, I love it. And then that he's there, and they just have that wonderful, delightful meet-cute scene. And then the fact that they want to... Um, Obviously, they don't stay connected that day. They they run into each other later yeah. when he calls her, which I love. Let's talk about their phone chats. Oh I my goodness. That. Okay, so talk about banter. So she right out the gate says, what are you wearing? I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> and then he says, fishnet stockings. <laughs> I so think it's something. And I mean, it's just, it's classic Julianne humor. It's so delicious. They have this incredible phone conversation and that 
that is kind of their agreement is we're going to talk on the phone and it's not going to be real deep because she can't give him more. Yeah, so I struggled. Obviously, we come to find out that she's pregnant with her sisters. She's a surrogate for her sister and brother-in-law. And so that was one of the frustrations that I had through this story is why can't you be in a be in a relationship with someone just because you're pregnant with your sister's baby? That doesn't really impact him. So that was just kind of an overhanging frustration that I had. She does address that at the end, which I appreciated. But I just, I, that was a frustration I had for them. The fact that she's very adamant on the fact that she can't date him or have any kind of relationship other than friendship. So they set these unofficial guidelines or rules, yeah. essentially. That leads me to a question because this is kind of an overarching storyline is that they have this platonic friendship, Mm -hmm. which isn't really platonic. I mean, they become best friends, emphasis on best. Yes. So I'm just curious, do you think that it is possible for guys and girls to have platonic friendships? Absolutely. I absolutely do. I think that for some people, they probably would struggle with that, but... Just because you're friends with the opposite sex doesn't mean that there has to be attraction there. I think if you're both single and, I mean, even if you're not, you can still have a guy friend that whether you work with or, you know, that you've just known your whole life, there doesn't have to be this relationship that has to evolve or develop that friends to lovers Mm -hmm. story, which is you know, kind of what this is a little, (laughs) a little bit kind of. So I, yes, I think so. I think it's possible. Even in the close proximity that they have and like they're friend, like they're turning into not best emphasis on best, but just best friends. Okay. Well, I think for this particular story, then I think that, let me rephrase my question. Okay. I was going to say, let me rephrase in general. Can, can guys and girls have a platonic friendship when one is attracted to the other? Ooh. Okay. That is a better way to phrase that. (laughs) I think you can, but I think it would be very hard because specifically with the story, it is not a one-sided attraction. Mm-hmm. That's true. She is attracted to him. I think it is only a matter of time until you guys line up on the same page. Yeah, the attraction and closes the gap, essentially. Yeah, closes the gap. Because, I mean, why wouldn't you? You know, unless there's other reasons behind preventing you from having that. Why wouldn't you? That doesn't make any sense. You're attracted to him. He's attracted to her or whatever. Yeah. Make it 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 happen. happen. (laughs) I mean, come on. Be best friends. Do you find yourself getting annoyed with them when they're like, oh, just get together already? Or do you enjoy the ride of the angst leading up to them actually getting together? Oh, I was annoyed a little bit with Sophie because I I understood she could not tell him she was a surrogate. Mm-hmm. Like, I did understand that. But personally, I was like, can't you just tell him? You don't have to say who it's for. Can't right. you say you're a surrogate for somebody and you don't know how that would work? Just so you could see how he would feel about it. I think that was the reasoning for my biggest frustration with her not being able to be with him because she was a surrogate. I'm like, just be honest with him yeah well and there was more to it though she had jimmy the squatter in her (laughs) house so it wasn't like she's trying to get she's dealing with an infestation problem in her (laughs) you know nicely put she um she has that issue and she doesn't want him to thank her family and her friends sick of her with all the failed relationships so i think she had a couple of things it wasn't just her being a surrogate for someone that was the obstacle for her being honest. 
I loved Shep. I felt like Shep was like, that was more natural. His banter with her, his constant tension that he would I bring to the table. I the banter. That, um, his just personality with the banter. Okay, yes. some of my favorite banter scenes were, um, well, I loved the dog bath scene where oh they brought goodness, Cersei in there and he sprays her with the water. Yeah. We knew that was coming, yeah. obviously, but I loved, I was here for it, you know. Their phone calls, which we mentioned, mm-hmm. I loved those. And then one of my favorite ones is the million years statement where she says not in a million years will we get together and then on the ride home he's like it feels like it's been a million years yes I know (laughs) I love all the little things I love the way he kind of teases her because they're just they're golden together it's so cute and he is just delicious let's talk about when she finally does reveal that she is pregnant and how Shep deals with this and his feelings and his reasoning behind why he feels the way he does Well, we have to back up then a little bit because one of the things is, you know, if you've read, he has an ex-wife, Millie, Mm -hmm. who he was married to for five years and they had tried to have a baby, he thought, but she was not trying. And then when they have a pregnancy scare, she freaked out. And then he found out that she had been lying. That was was so sad. Oh my goodness. When he explained that, I just, I felt his heartbreak in that Mm -hmm. moment. That scene when he's telling... When he's telling Sophie about that and why he's upset with that on the drive home, that was the reason why I gave it some crying Mm -hmm. stars because my heart broke for him in that moment and just having to live with, just thinking about all the wasted time that Mm -hmm. you've been with this person, thinking one thing about them and living a lie essentially and what Millie did to them in their marriage that just broke my heart for him. Yeah, the manipulation and... And then she goes around and has a one night stand and gets pregnant and she's keeping it and she's happy. You know, so it's very heartbreaking because he's like, I loved you as much as a man could love a wife. And she was like, oh, I wouldn't have terminated our baby or I wouldn't have given up our baby or or I would have been happy or something. He's like, it's good to know you wouldn't have terminated that pregnancy. Yeah. So there was a lot of deceit there. When Shep is expressing to Sophie, you know, how he feels about her being pregnant, he has just found out that Millie is pregnant and then he what is it later that day or the next day or something he finds out that Sophie is pregnant Mm -hmm. but he for just an instant thinks that it's his oh that oh that few seconds oh you knew yeah you knew and then like his face the way she describes his face then Sophie said it's not yours and then his face just falls oh And then she's able to tell him, you know, this is for my sister and my brother-in-law. But it was so hard for him because then he was like, I can't, you know, he shares custody with Julia and George, (laughs) Julia Roberts and George Clooney with his ex, their dogs. So now he has to see Millie every time Mm -hmm. he goes to pick up the dogs, pick up the kids. And her growing pregnancy. And her growing pregnancy and just being reminded of her deception and her lying. And then he has this friendship that he wants more with Sophie to see her growing somebody else's baby. It was emotional for him. And I can I could totally understand that. Yeah. I totally could empathize with him in that moment because having it thrown in your face, mm-hmm. not in one area of your life, but in all areas of your life, it just felt really like a low blow. It did. It did feel like a low blow, but I loved how his best friend, Howie, points out how selfless she is. Oh, yes, me too. Because, it, you know, she's doing this for somebody else and because they've had multiple miscarriages, they've gone through heartbreak, and she loves her sister. And she she tells him, this baby doesn't change me. Mm-hmm. 
or my life, but this baby will always be in my life. I am who I am. I'm just the vessel. It's not my baby. And he still can't. And I do understand that. But I also felt like Shep needed to process. Well, one of the ways he chose to process (laughs) was by adopting a bunch of dogs. That was my preference, though, because he said I could have been out drinking and, you know, getting on dating apps and stuff. And he's like, but I chose this. And I was like, yes, thank you, because you're so wonderful. Thank you for going with adopting all the dogs. I love that he adopted the dogs, too. Do you have something that you do when you're stressed or that you buy or something that you do? when you're stressed. I stress eat. No. (laughs) You're a stress eat. A lot of people are stress eaters. I mean, when I'm stressed, I mean, it kind of depends. It it really depends on the situation. It really does. But something of this emotional magnitude. Oh. What would it draw you to do or (sighs) buy or? It would make me want to shop, but I probably (laughs) wouldn't because I would have buyer's remorse and then there would be a whole other emotion. (laughs) Um, I don't know, probably snack on some chips. I'm a chip weakness. <laughs> I would eat some chocolate late at night when nobody's looking. <laughs> Drink, you know, I don't know, a pop. I don't allow myself to do that. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I typically, I guess, if I have the time in the day, I would probably go run, throw on some music and run. Of course. No. She would run. I'm over there <laughs> just scarfing down my Snickers bar. <laughs> Crying, followed immediately. In my lap. By, followed immediately by some emotional, emotional eating for sure. Oh, it's probably some like avocado on toast or something super <laughs> healthy. It's like I'm gonna go run out my feelings. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm gonna lay on the floor and cry. No, I would probably eat all the chocolate as well for sugar. Maybe not chocolate, but yeah. I definitely love yeah. me some some dessert. I get that. Okay, let's talk about Shep's secret because okay. we've kind of discussed yes. that Sophie keeps something. Shep has a little secret. See, Sophie has this bad luck with men, and he works at a pet store, but they go away for a weekend to his parents' house, and she's kind of under the impression he's driving his dad's car, he's staying at his parents' house, and she's like, oh no, this is another Jimmy situation. <laughs> and it's really not. Shep has some money. Yes, he does. I love the genius move that he made in having his friends and family he loaned them money to basically buy his stuff so that Millie would not get it in the divorce. I thought that that was just so clever on his part, and I love that he did that. I love I, that Millie didn't get anything. I do, too. Well, she got the house. She got the well, house. Well, yes, but not which, all of his riches. Well, I imagine their house was probably big because he designed video games. I loved that he had that little bit, and I loved when they go to dinner with his parents And she's thanking them for staying. And the dad looks at him and he kind of very subtly shakes his head. (laughs) But she catches it and she was like, what was that? (laughs) Like, I was so brilliant. I I love those little clues. Also, I did not pick up on some of it. Like that one I actually overlooked. But looking back, I'm like, oh, okay. I get that that was. Yeah. He's got money. (laughs) Yeah. I did pick up on the fact that he had money. I also picked up on the fact that he owned Wag Your Tail, which I loved that. He called Marta. Marta the boss. boss. <laughs> I know. Which I thought so was so funny. And Riley, I really thought that she was going to be his sister. I see. I did not. Well, I, I I take that back. I did for like a split second. I thought when they have to kind of part ways briefly that he was going to date her or something. Mm. And that was like, no, no. Like that was when I was feeling the angst. Yeah. See, that didn't that so. didn't cross my mind because I was in my mind. She was his sister. Oh, so. maybe. Um, I don't know. I doubt it because it never addresses that. It doesn't address that at all. Okay, let's get to some like deeper things that really hit home. Okay. Did you reread any of the passages? And if so, why? And there's one 
in particular that I'm looking for. Yes, I read the friendship speech. Yes, that, that she gave him in the store. Yes, when she says you are a terrible friend, Shep, and then she lists all these incredible qualities of what a friend is mm-hmm. and what they should be. And she, it's funny because after she says that, she's like, that was supposed to be, I love you. (laughs) She's thinking that in her mind. I loved it so much because I just, and I was even telling my other friend the other day, I just read this incredible story and she gives this big, long speech about friends and how they're there for each other through the good, through the bad, the ugly, the messy. Mm -hmm. And they just carry it. You know, they carry that weight. They're with you through thick and thin. I also love that Julie Ann tied in the title in that speech, What Lovers yes. Do. I, lo- I love finding out why all books are named what they are. So when you can, it's apparent in the story mm-hmm. why it's named that. I love that. But I especially loved that he carried this speech with him. Yes. Not only just in the present time, but in the epilogue when he's in his 60s and he is still referencing this friend speech. I love Shep so much I for do. this. I do too. He's the best book boyfriend just because he cared enough to literally write every word that she said. I love that he even took the time to go pull up the audio yeah. on the camera or by the door. And I I loved him so much in this moment. I loved that after she did that, there's like a few days that pass and then he comes and gets Jimmy the squatter out of the house <laughs> and he takes Howie with him. And they like toss everything out and stuff and then... She goes to the house because he has Circe, or however you say the dog's name. And she's like, you took my dog. And he's like, I did. He throws his head back. And he's like, I did not steal your dog. I brought her here because I knew that you were going to be home, blah, blah, blah. She was like, we don't do that. And he's like, that's what friends do. And he just has this turnaround of, she really knocks some sense into him of, you know, just getting back on track to being friends. And so from that point, they develop this friendship and he stays her really good friend. I mean, he's in love with her Mm -hmm. and she's in love with him. Yeah. But throughout the rest of her pregnancy and he just becomes... I love how much he dotes on her when she's pregnant. Oh my goodness, I The flowers. Oh my gosh, when when he texts her that he's been in the waiting room all day after she has the baby and then she goes out and he has this massive display of flowers. I love Shep so much right now. He is... Just the perfect guy for her. Oh, he was so perfect. He was, and she's so, she so deserved it because she had been through so many frogs, you know, all these, (laughs) yes, these horrible guys. And then I I do love the two weeks later, he's practically moved in. (laughs) She says that she's never going to have another guy. Jimmy has ruined me from all guys. I'm never going to have another guy. So what was the most memorable scene in this story for you? That's a great question. Mm. Um, and you can have more than one because there's one that I'm like, oh, poor girl. <laughs> the, the best scene or the most memorable scene? Because that might be two different answers if you know what okay. I mean. The best scene. I think, well, I mean, I think the obvious answer here would be her friendship speech yes. is just the epitome of everything this story is about. So that would be the best scene. The most memorable to me, I'm sure we're on the same page because you're laughing, is the most embarrassing moment for her. Is that where you're thinking? Yes, her (laughs) stepmother that's like a year younger than her, that's her on a cleanse because she says, I'm not drinking and she can't have fish. And she was like, why is it that when a woman says they're not drinking, they're like, oh, she's on a cleanse. (laughs) Either they're pregnant or they're on a cleanse, but they didn't even assume she was pregnant. Okay. So that moment in the bathroom. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. So without TMI, 
have you ever had a bodily fluids embarrassing moment? You don't have to like go into specifics, but can you think of one? Not off the top of, I'm sure I have, but not where I've been. Like, like... have you ever like thrown up at school? Oh my goodness. Yes. (laughs) Why would you? (laughs) I packed that away in my brain. Far, far, far. I'm bringing it back. Does Does it level the amount of embarrassment? As this scene in this book. Yes. Oh it traumatized gosh. me oh. because I was in fourth grade and I had to leave the classroom. I made it out of the classroom, but another class was lined up doing their bathroom break and right in front of the line. And they started freaking out. I mean, naturally. But I was in fourth grade, guys. Come on. <laughs> and the tire swing. Don't trust it. Oh, so, no. <laughs> and so I didn't know what to do. So I turned around and I was walking back to my class because I was so mortified. I didn't want to walk past the kids. And um, sorry, listeners, this is TMI. And my teacher, she came out and she was the best. She was very motherly. And she was like, oh my goodness. But you could tell like she's trying to keep it together. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. Is it as traumatic? Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, and there was a lot fewer people in her household than there was in that hallway. Did you become the kid that threw up? You know, I didn't. I did blessing. I am shocked. But they were still talking about another guy from second grade that did during class. At least it wasn't you, I guess, that poor second grade. I mean, maybe maybe they were talking about he was just behind my back. I don't know. (laughs) But which we don't know won't hurt us. <laughs> exactly. I was so embarrassed for her I'm in this so scene. Because, well, I knew where it was going when she started turning on all the things, the faucet, <laughs> the music, you know, the shower, everything. And then you think, oh, she's gotten away with it. Yeah. Even though you as the reader know, she most definitely did not. And that it comes to light when her dad is... You okay? Peanut, are you okay? And she's like, I'm so mortified. Maybe, maybe Shep didn't hear, or maybe he was, uh, had too much to drink and he didn't remember. I love that Shep did not address it until much later. I know. (laughs) Well, like she was like, well, maybe he really doesn't remember. I, and I loved him so much more in that moment. Same. Because she was like, I'm just going to drive back and I'll pay for his flight home. (laughs) Like she was done. She was going to go. And I was like, yeah, I would too, sister. Come on, guys. Like, we're just, we're human. I felt you so know, but embarrassed still, for her. Oh, <laughs> worst. So <laughs> thank you, Julie Ann, for just making such an embarrassing moment so comical. Yes. It was so funny, but so sad. <laughs> I agree. Oh, so sad. Poor Sophie. One more thing that I really liked from this story is their conversation with when that Midwesterner couple comes and they interact with that and it leads her to talk about Midwesterners and how they want, hey, how's it going? And you, instead of a, I'm good, how are you? They go into this whole long explanation. So I loved so much and appreciated when they shortened. She's like, there have been times when I'm just, when someone says hi, I just say fine, thank you. (laughs) I love that so much. And then they, that just became what they did when they said, I love these little nuggets where authors write these kind of little scenarios in where they have a thing and this was their thing on their conversation. And I also appreciated that whole conversation because I have been that person. Mm -hmm. When I say hello to someone and they say hello back and they say, how's it going? I'm one of those people I'm going to be genuine when I tell you. If I'm not fine, I'm not going to go into my life story, but I'm probably just going to say something like, I'm doing okay. I'm not going to be like, I'm great. So I loved that that's what she does. She's like, fine, thank you. (laughs) Yes, I did too. And I also felt like there was so much truth behind that because you do feel obligated. And and they, what was it that he said, don't make them lie? Uh Or she said, don't make them lie and say, I'm fine when they're not fine. Exactly. The whole passage was just, I was like, yep. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're that. living in that, so we get it. Okay, so you know that when I read that I start playing music in my head and yes. I have a song and this one okay it's kind of obvious so and- I gotta I gotta brag on you a minute because our oh. listeners don't know this about you so Sarah in another life could be a music supervisor for movies if you don't know what a music supervisor does they are the ones that pick all the songs to play on the soundtrack of a movie and she is one of the best people I have ever encountered who can pick the perfect song for books that we read. So Sarah has picked us a song. Tell us what you think. I love that you say it like that. Such high praise. Um, and, and no pressure whatsoever moving forward in our podcast. It's true. Um, no, I really can't take credit for this because it's in the title. And she also tagged it on our Instagram, but it is It's What Lovers Do by Maroon 5. Ah, oh, I love that which song. Which I love that song. And it's so obvious. So I can't really take credit on this one. Sorry, guys. First I'll podcast. I'll give you a free pass for this yeah, one. Yeah, free pass. But it's literally in the title. And I was listening to it again. Yeah, this song just fits. It just sums it up. You know, it's so fun. And it, it's so an if you haven't song. listened to What Lovers Do by Maroon 5, go check that out and just sing along and think about Shep and Sophie and the yes. story and the, the storyline. I think so. there will be few listeners who haven't heard it. But yes, it's it's the song for this story and it's fitting. That wraps up What Lovers Do. This story was such a delight. I love the comedy of Julie Ann. I hope you loved it as much. Thank you so much for joining us on our very first episode. We hope that you enjoyed it and want to continue the discussion with us. We would love to hear from you. What were your favorite parts of this story? Hit us up on Instagram at postbookdepressionpodcast or on Facebook in our Postbook Depression discussion group. Until next time, keep reading. <laughs>